Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Talking with Brian. My name is Brian, and basically I'm here to talk to you about some health issues. Um, I would like to first start off by saying I'm not a medical doctor. I am not a nurse. I have pretty much no medical experience at all. Uh, what you hear on this podcast should not be used to diagnose any medical condition whatsoever. Um, this is simply a way, or this podcast is simply a, my opinion, my life experiences. Uh, always, please always make sure you get medical help or medical options before you try anything that you hear either on this podcast or anywhere in your life. Um, always seek medical medical help first, please. Uh, so with that being said, I would like to kind of tell you about this, this, this podcast idea that I have and, you know, maybe it'll, it'll catch on and, and uh, we all can be friends. So what I like, my vision for this podcast is basically, um, it's going to be like, a medical podcast, but I don't want it to be full of medical terms and definitions. Um, I think it's hard to learn about things that way. There's so many podcasts out there that just, that just want to, you know, you, you need to hear some of them too. Yes, obviously, but this is going to be a podcast that I would like to connect people together with. Um, you know, basically searching for some answers. Uh, I was so confused when I was first diagnosed with, with, an, with an immune deficiency that I was kind of lost. Um, all I would hear are just, you know, I was 27 years old. All I would hear was doctors saying doctor things. You know, I, I really didn't want to hear that. I mean, yes, you need to hear it. You'll get plenty of that in, in, in plenty of time, but I was basically looking for someone who's kind of had the same, same issues that I had. Somebody can tell me what to expect or tell me everything was going to be okay. That all these big, scary words weren't just going to basically I was gonna not gonna lose my life over over this this disease that I have. Even though it's a chronic illness, I have it for the rest of my life. You know, I guess I was just looking for some answers, and I couldn't find any. Um, you know, I'm I'm still looking for answers, even though I've been with I've had this illness for quite a long time. So. That's why I decided to start a podcast called Just Talking with Brian. I mean, we can just talk. That seems like the easiest easiest thing for you to do. Just all you got to do is listen. You know, um, I'm basically going to talk to you. Um, so what my goal is here in the first few episodes is to basically just tell you my story, tell you how I was diagnosed, tell you what 
primary immune deficiency that I have. Explain what it does. I'm sure there'll be um, other people out there that, that know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, you know, maybe we can all get together sometime and talk to each other, you know. Send me an email, shoot me some things, you know, some ideas or anything for this podcast. Uh, I want to be able to understand what everyone else goes through, too. This is just me, you know. I don't understand a lot of things. I'm not a medical doctor, like I said. I, I have no medical knowledge outside of this disease, really. But I'm an expert in this. And my wife tells me all the time, we are experts in Brian. We, we're not experts in all, all things, you know, that go on around us or inside of us. You are, you know, my wife says it the best. You're just, I'm an expert on you. You know, and, and you'll hear from my wife from time to time. She's going to actually get on maybe episode three or four. And she's going to talk about being a caregiver for somebody that has a chronic illness. And if you're looking, if you have caregivers out there and you want to, you want to hear from a caregiver, she's one of the best. Um, I guarantee you she saved, saved my life a few times since we've been married. So guarantee it. So we'll get to that, um, and she'll get on here. And she she likes to talk about things too. So she'll tell you. I'll tell you, she's very. She'll uh, just wait. Can't wait for you to hear that one. I really can't. So basically, what we're going to do is just you know, I'm going to tell you my life experiences. Going to open up this podcast. Hopefully, we'll get some people that'll get on here and talk about their problems or issues and we can all just start having some nice good old conversations so people aren't scared about this disease because I was scared to death when I first had this disease so if that's something that you are looking for or something that could help I'd appreciate it if you you could Follow this podcast, you know, subscribe to it. Let's uh, email me. Um, the email address for this podcast is going to be talking with Brian, P I, at gmail.com. And yes, it is B R I A N. So it'll be talking with Brian, P I, at gmail.com. So. And one thing I cannot stress is please never take what I have to say on here as medical advice. I am not a medical doctor. I'm not a nurse. I cannot diagnose anyone. I don't have that knowledge, but I have the knowledge in me. So if you need to be diagnosed, we'll get you to a doctor. You need to find a doctor and you know, we don't change treatments from this podcast. We're not going to tell you what to do for your own personal treatment. That's between you and your doctor and your caregiver. 
what's best for you is not best for me. You know, everybody has different ways of handling things. So hopefully we can just find out some easy stuff together, you know. Then you can take it to your doctor and say, hey, can we try this? Or does this fit my my my, my health issues? But before you start any treatments, you don't you talk to your doctor. Don't just change your treatment just to change your treatment. That's not that's very dangerous. So now I was diagnosed with this hypogammaglobinemia. Yeah, I know it's a big word. It's like 23 letters long. You know, hypogammaglobinemia. It's H-Y-P-O-G-A-M-M-A-G-L-O-B-U-L-I-N-I-A. You know, it's, it's a very difficult word. Um, it took me quite a long time to learn how to pronounce it correctly. Um, and, you know, it's funny. When I first diagnosed with this, a lot of people didn't know what that was. And I'm starting to, to, to talk to people that know what hypogammaglobinemia is. It is probably the most common primary immune deficiency disease that's out there. Um, at least that's one good thing out of it all. It's, it's one of the most common. Uh, you can be diagnosed with it when you're born. You are born with it, but symptoms sometimes don't start until the second or third decade of life. You know, um, it could be childhood or adulthood. You just, it never really, you never know when it's going to come out. Um, I was 27, so it was almost in my third decade of life already before I even knew about this disease. Clinical signs can occur at any age, I mean, any time. Primary immune deficiencies are pretty much results from a chronic disorder, a genetic disorder, or chemical anomalies that are found in your immune system. These are all primary immune deficiencies. Now, there is a subcategory called a secondary, a secondary immune deficiency. And a lot of times that happens to your immune system. Let's say if you work in hazardous conditions or if you are, are on like chemo drugs, an immunosuppressant drug, you know, um, a lot of infections um, can start a secondary primary immune deficiency. So, you know, I know uh, if you think of, think of um, a secondary primary of uh, someone that was exposed to asbestos back in the day before, you know, that, that would be a secondary um, immune deficiency. Primary, you're born with it. Secondary, you kind of acquire it over the health of your, you know, immune system. You kind of acquire it as you go along. And it is appropriate for doctors to make sure it's a primary or a secondary. 
you know, some of these doctors don't know about this stuff yet. It's starting to get out there, but, you know, when I was diagnosed, not too many doctors do about it. So please make sure you diagnose, you know, you know if it's a primary or secondary because that will determine how your treatment will go. So make sure you actually know what you're what you're what you're getting treated for. Uh, like I said, hypogammaglobulinemia is a chemical or a chronic illness, I'm sorry. Lifelong disease. You have it even though you might not know you have it. Symptoms, you still have symptoms, but they're very mild until the disease decides to rear its ugly head. Uh, I, like I said, I had to become familiar with it because in, when I was 27, I was finally diagnosed with it. So, but I tell you, it, it does, it helps. And we'll get into this in episode two, but it, it, it fills in a lot of the, the missing links as a kid when I was growing up and why I was so sick all the time. And, you know, it, it, it wasn't full blown, but it was right there on the edge. I tell you, um, I tried to have a normal childhood and I thought I did until I found out I really didn't. Uh, and we'll explain that. I'll, I'll explain that in the, you know, the, the second episode, but it's a chronic illness, and with a chronic illness, you all know that you need to have knowledge of your disease, know what the symptoms are, know how to explain to a doctor how you're feeling. Hopefully, everyone can find a really nice caregiver, a really good caregiver. Um, Hopefully your family is behind you. But I tell you what, that's not how everybody is. And, you know, it, it took me almost, it took me into my 40s before I realized what I had and what I didn't have as uh, resources. So... Maybe we could talk about that a little bit because having the right resources at the right time is very, very, it's, it's, it's important. It really is. Um, and I'll tell you, the reason I'm doing this top podcast is because, I, you know, I was telling you, I, I was trying to find something that could help me. I mean, I'm a little selfish, but I figured, you know, hey, a podcast can help me. And it could also help a lot of people that are sick with this chronic illness. Because I've been looking for a forum or a way of getting this type of information out to people. Um, it, like I said, it's a scary thought. It really is scary. And hopefully you will understand it a little better by hearing someone else's story. Uh, you know, this time last year, I had no idea what a podcast was. I had no clue. 
you know, I'm 51 years old right now, and I was born in the 70s. You know, I'll be 52 this year in April. I'm a 70s child. I, I did do some IT stuff, but it was more networking than anything, not the technical things and that kind of stuff. Um, I had no idea what a podcast was, and I was just looking through Spotify. I was looking for music to listen to while I was here at the house. Um, and I said, and I saw this little thing pop up, said podcast. I'm like, what's a podcast? And I don't know <laughs> if y'all know, but podcast is just, it's a big sensation right now. Everything's podcasts. Do a little research and I, I really like true crime. I wish I could be a detective. I wish I could, uh, help people, you know, with true crime and help people get through things. And so I clicked on this true crime and I was just looking through my Spotify app and came across this one, one, uh, podcast about, you know, maybe three, four months ago. First one I ever listened to, it was called gruesome, horrific, true crime. And there are two ladies on there. Connie and Meg, that I tell you what, they can tell a story. And they like to have fun telling the story. It, it's what they're talking about is serious. And, and if you can't laugh a little bit afterwards, decompress a little, it'll drive you nuts. And, and these two ladies have perfected this art. They really have. Um, they've inspired me to start this podcast because they told me I could do it. They said I could. <laughs> they tell me on these episodes, we think you should. And you know what? They are absolutely right. Why? If you have information to get out to people, any kind of information, why not do it? And, you know, so I wanted to shout out to the girls there at Gruesome Horrific True Crime, Crime, True Crime Podcast because they really, really did encourage me. So thank you, ladies. I hope this, my podcast can take off. And I know you guys that are just have blown things out of the water. So I really appreciate you encouraging me. And hopefully we can talk about this. And you can let me know how I did. <laughs> but um, so again, I, I want to stress, and I'll probably say this for, you know, at least every episode that I have, that I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I have no medical knowledge. So please, the information you hear in this podcast, please, it's not meant to diagnose you. It's meant to encourage you to show you that there's other people in the same boat that you're in. And it's okay to reach out and talk to people. And then you take that information that you get and you take it to your doctor. And you say, hey, can we try this? Can we do this? It might help you. I'm basically just going to tell you how things were with me. My life experience. And what helped me. So all I would like you to do now is just, you know, Hear my hear my story. 
see what you think about it, and maybe we can connect somehow or some way. Because the more people that know about this disease, the, the better it's going to be. We'll get more cures. We'll get more grants. We'll get more resources. Uh, one of the best resources I can tell you guys right now to go do, and if you haven't already, you need to go to the Immune Deficiency Foundation website. They're one of the best, one of the best websites I've seen on primary immune deficiencies. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about that um, a little later on. Um, but they have a great website. They really do. And it's, it's if you go to, the, if you want to go there, it's primaryimmune.org. And... Uh, um, there's so much resources about treatments, about what they're doing to help with this disease, any of these diseases. Um, there are so many primary immune deficiencies out there that it's just, it's unbelievable. You won't believe how many there are out there. Um, but anyway, just listen to my story, see what you all think. And hopefully we can we can try you know see what see what happens. Uh, so my story starts. I'm going to tell you a little. I'm going to give you the definition first of the of of immune, the hypogammaglobulinemia. It's basically what it is. Is it's a it's hard for me to explain. It really is. I've had so many people try to explain to me, give me a good definition of hypogammaglobulinemia, and it's this so it's so bad out there that it's so new. Um, I did find a paper though, um, October third of twenty twenty two, and it was by some doctors from uh, university hospitals. The NYC, HHC, out of Lincoln, and Case Western Reserve. Um, they basically say that hypogammaglobulinemia is a disorder that is called by low serum immunoglobulins or antibody levels. Immunoglobulins are, it's the main component of your immune system. Um, the it's basically those things that go out and fight your infections. Uh, I could get real technical and we can try to try to stay away from that. But, you know, for the sake of learning what a new disease is, it's probably pretty good to, to do this. There are T cells and B cells in your in your blood. Well, when you get a cold or an infection or something inside your body somewhere, those T cells recognize that and they will send out these B cells to basically go out and fight your infections. Now I know that there's all kinds of different ways people can interpret that and the best way I was able to interpret that is to think of your immune system as a brick wall. Okay you guys Obviously, you wouldn't be here sitting here listening to this if your brick wall was full um, 
a healthiest person, one that has a great immune deficiency, immune system, has a perfectly built wall. There's no chips. There's no holes. The mortar is perfectly intact. You know, the, the, the bricks settle right down on each other perfectly. There's no way you can see through it. Uh, that's someone that has a great immune system. Now, someone like me with the uh, ipogamoglobin anemia, it's like my brick wall is not solid. It doesn't look good. There's, you know, there's holes in the wall. The mortar's breaking apart. There's chipped pieces of brick laying all over the place. It's not a solid shield. And what I have to have done is to have medicine added to my T, B, and T cells, basically, to protect me from getting sick. So basically, it covers me. It, it makes my, my brick wall whole for a few weeks. Um, and then once that medicine wears off, I have to go and get another shield put back on. It's like I'm constantly covering my brick wall to make sure that I don't get sick. That's the best way. That, I, I heard that from a doctor somehow where I don't remember when. I mean, I've been dealing with this tw 24 years. Um, you, you hear a lot of things in 24 years about your system. That's the best one that I've heard explain things and people can understand. Oh, okay. So that's how you get sick all that time. That's why you're always sick is because you don't have those, that brick wall put up. And, and that's true. I don't, um, I have holes <laughs> in my brick wall. And I tell you that um, there are two closely, two close um, see, a, a deficiency, immune deficiencies that too close up. There, there's two close um, deficiencies, and one of them is the hypogammaglobinemia, which is a common variable immune deficiency. And the reason it says common is because, not because it's not, it's a rare disease, but among the diseases, it's common. So it's still rare. One of the rarest diseases you're going to find. But it's not that common. Now, another one that is called, and it's closely related to it, it's called SCID. And that is severe commune, um, combined immune deficiency. Now, they're both combined immune deficiencies. One is just severe and one is, is the common. Totally two different diseases, but they're close together where you kind of need to know what, what they are. Um, 
like with mine, I have that little shield that I can put over my wall with C SCID, the severe commune. It's you, there's no way you can get a shield. You can't put a shield over anybody's wall. Um, you're born with it. And if you don't recognize it right away, it could be harmful to, to someone. Um, there are usually only between 50 and 100 children that are diagnosed with it every year. And that's not a lot of babies. If you think about how many babies are born every year in the United States. Um, and I'll tell you, some of you older, if you're older like me, you know, um, I remember a movie that was called The Boy in the Bubble. And his name was David Vetter. He had the C C S C I B D S C I D. I'm sorry. He was the severe, and he lived in that bubble until he was, I think, 14 years old. 13, 14, and that's basically as long as he could live in that bubble. And you know, there's a lot of details, a lot of things you can go into, but. Basically, he passed away from the severe, and this was back in, what, the late 70s, maybe 78, 79, 75. I mean, it, it was somewhere in the late 70s that that movie came out, and then he passed away a few, a few years after that movie. Um, but he had the severe... And the severe, basically, the only way you can be now nowadays, they know. Back then, they didn't. I mean, and it's not been that long. I mean, you got to think, 50 years in medical is not that long ago. It really wasn't. Um, basically, you have to have a stem cell transplant now if you have the SCID. Or you have to have some kind of cognitive gene therapy or you won't survive it. Um, and that's a shame because it really is a scary, scary disease. I mean, basically it's the absence of those B and T cells in your body. You, you don't have any. Um, so, but his, his mother, David's mother from that movie, um, she founded the Immune Deficiency Foundation. So after he passed, she really went to work and went to bat for a lot, a lot of people. And I tell you what, she has saved many, many people's lives. I mean, I'm talking millions of people because they didn't know what they were dealing with back then. And if she wouldn't have kept up and pushed and pushed and pushed, there would be no IDF. And the IDF, if you get on that website and you look and see what they have done, for patients and communities, um, what they've done for testing in newborns. They are trained, and I think they're there. I think they've got them all in all the states that is now required to test for these kind type of diseases now. And I'm not just talking about the, the CSCID or the CVID. There are over 450 immune deficiencies that are listed in the world today. 
I mean, think about that. 450 immune deficiencies. And, you know, that's a lot of problems with, with an immune system. You know, it, it, we just don't know why it's, it's starting, why it's, why, what's going on. Um, you got to think, you know, maybe, you know, the life expectancy during, you know, a while ago, it wasn't that old. Is this could be why? I mean, um, I mean, you, you hear of how many people die when they're in their 20s and 30s back in the day, you know. And, you know, life expectancy is, is about that, 20 to 30 years if you have a bad, bad immune, deficient, immune system. So we're learning more about how to test. The doctors are now being taught about these diseases. And for them to be able to diagnose 450 different types of immune deficiencies, that's amazing. It, it's just unbelievable. And we've done this in, what, the last 40, 50 years. And it's amazing to see the results. And you can look at it. The, they, like that website will show you if you want to know how it all started with, you know, with the boy in the bubble and how it is gone, what they've done each year. You can, you can read about it. Um, I know they go to Congress all the time looking for, for more money to help us try to, to do more dis- testing. And, you know, it's, it's a big deal. So, so let me tell you my story. We'll get there and I'll tell you how I was diagnosed. And then maybe next episode we can talk about what I went through as a child and some of the things that you will go through if you have anemia. So, like I said, I was 27 years old when I was diagnosed. I had been married for four years, you know. Um, I was working a full-time job at night. I was a night shift manager um, at a store, at a, at a warehouse store here in Ohio. Um, and, yeah, I, li- I live near Dayton, Ohio, uh, so that kind of tells you, shows you where I'm at in the world. <laughs> um, but I was 27 years old. You know, I was a, you know, I had a great job. I had, you know, I was married, had been married for four years and didn't have any kids yet. In fact, when I got diagnosed, I had just had my first kid. Uh, she was four years old when, or four months old when I was diagnosed. Um, and it changed my life. It really did. This, this, this disease has changed my life more than anything else in this, in this world. I mean, more than anything. You know, right now I'm doing well. I am disabled. I have four daughters. Uh, the, the disease took a toll on my first marriage and... Um, I have now my second wife. I've been married to her for 14 years now, 15 years. Sorry, hon. <laughs> We're getting there, huh? <laughs> um, but she had two daughters and now I have four daughters. Um, I have two grandsons and 
there for a while, I didn't know if I was going to have any kids, any more kids besides that one at four months, let alone grandchildren um, and three other daughters. So um, I woke up one night in October, 97. I um, was getting ready to go to work and I could not breathe. I couldn't breathe. I've never had that sensation before to where I just could not take a deep breath. I, could, I was short of breath. Um, I thought, thought I was having some serious oxygen problems. So we went to the hospital. My first wife took me to my the hospital here in Dayton and found out that I had pneumonia at 27 years old. You know, that's common. I mean, it's not common. You shouldn't be getting pneumonia at 27 years old, but it happens. You know, I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. Yeah. So didn't think much about it because I had always had, I was always sick, always had sinus infections. I always had issues with my head and nose and things draining into my lungs. And, you know, I don't want to sound gross, but that's pretty much how it was. Everything was just draining down. There. And I think that's what I thought had started my pneumonia. Well, about a month later, after, you know, being discharged the first time with pneumonia, I was, I was back in the hospital again with pneumonia. Now that is a little different. Um, you know, the, the hospital I went to was a teaching hospital here. So there was a lot of doctors and nurses around and as a 27-year-old male, you shouldn't be getting pneumonia back to back like that. You know, didn't smoke. I didn't, you know, my, my dad smoked when he was, you know, growing up. I was growing up. But I never actually smoked. So I think I tried it for a couple of weeks and, you know, didn't. I'm like, well, why? why this is no fun. Yeah. Um but I tell you, when I got there and they're telling me, you know, hey, you're 27 years old. You shouldn't be. You should be healthy as anything. You should not be sick with pneumonia. So, and I, and I want to tell you, it seemed like, I tell you what, there were so many doctors that I saw that first couple months of my diagnosis. I just <laughs> could not believe. I mean, I, I want to say at least I saw 100 a hundred doctors easily for some reason. I don't know. It just seemed like it, but it seemed, you know, how you, you go to the hospital to get well, right? Well, they tell you, you don't go to the hospital to get sleep. That's for sure. You just go there to get healthy. <laughs> and how, how easy is that to do? It's not very easy to get healthy at a hospital. Um, especially now, this COVID and everything is hit. It's it's hard to get healthy in a hospital. Um, that's why I try to stay away. Um, I just <laughs> could not believe how many doctors I saw. I mean, my arms and hands and everything was just so black and blue and purple from all the drug tests that, or all the tests, you know, drug tests, any kind of tests. You know, they could not figure out what was wrong with me. They knew I didn't smoke. They know I didn't do hard drugs. Uh, 
there was no reason why I should have been in the hospital at 27 years old. But, you know, they, they just didn't know. They kept test over test, testing, testing. And I was there probably at least two weeks before they thought, all right, you know, your, your, your pneumonia is better now. We got it all cleared up. But we still don't know why you're sick. So I just, you know, kept going with the, the you know, they started giving me the bigger tests, you know. Um, now, <laughs> this, I don't know why this occurred, but it did. I went through eight AIDS tests. For some reason, they, they thought I had AIDS. And how you can fool a test and say, hey, I cheated your, your, I cheated on your test. So it came up positive or negative, but you think I cheated. So let's give you another one. We even think after two or three, I can understand two or three of the tests to make sure the diagnosis was correct. But why I took, had eight of them, I cannot tell you why. The eighth one came up and says I did. Well, I, I don't have AIDS. I have never had AIDS. I, I, you know, that's, that's one thing for sure. But I think back in the early 90s, late 90s, if they didn't know what was going on, they thought you had AIDS. So I don't know. That's just what they told me. And, you know, it upset me because I only had one, one partner. I uh, just had a baby, four months old. Um, the baby wasn't sick. Um, so it was hard for me to believe that what they were telling me. Well, come to find out I didn't, you know, so there's one thing though, that I wish I could shake one person's hand and I do not know the name of this doctor was a traveling doctor and you know back then a lot of doctors would travel around and they would just talk i mean back the doctoring back in the 90s and 80s and 90s was a lot different than it is today you didn't have all these cell phones i mean back in 89 90 uh, you know what we just now started getting cell phones you know during this diagnosis 98 97 96 yeah, you had these big car. You had to be rich as anything to get these cell phones, but we didn't have any of that technology back then. So doctors would travel around to hospitals and they would talk to each other about cases. Um, they would call each other on the phone. I mean, an actual landline phone and talk to somebody. You weren't just walking down the hallway. You had to be in your office and actually call people. Um, but thank goodness he came to my, the, the Dayton area. Um, I was going to say the Miami Valley area, which is you know, the Dayton area. So thank goodness he, he was here because he saved my life. And I do not know his name. I hope someday he might hear this. Um, and if you were a doctor in the Dayton area back in in the late 97, 98 area. Um, and you remember because they came to you and they talked to you about 
being diagnosed, you know, this, hey, we don't know what's wrong with this guy. And, and you diagnosed me. You told him, hey, you guys need to look here. Well, thank goodness you were there to tell him that because I think the next day or the day after you had left, they diagnosed me with this hypogammaglobulin anemia, which they weren't sure to look for. But you did. And that, that is one man that, man that I, I, and I know it was a man because they told me it was a man. But I, they, I don't think they ever told me his name. And I wish I could shake your hand because you saved my life. I would not be here. My kids would not be here if it wasn't for you and your diagnosis. So pretty much that's how I became, that's how I was diagnosed. And it's, it's just really weird, you know, to be able to have to go through that. Uh, and I tell you, there's only a few things that you can do for a disease that I have like this. Um, basically, hypogammaglobinemia is, like I said, it's, it's that, you know, your immune system. You got to send out things to, to fight your infections. Your body has to be able to recognize what happens. So, when I have an infection, my white blood cell count goes sky high because they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. Um, they're supposed to help you go out and fight your infections. But if there's no one telling them what to do, they're just going to start. They're going to keep getting bigger. And it's going to be, you know, I can't. My, the white blood cell count will just go outrageously high. And that will cause other problems with other organs and other issues. But what's in those white blood cells are those T and those B cells that I was telling you about. So you have that white blood cell and that T cell will tell your B cell to go fight that insect infection. So we need to come up with a cure to figure out, well, how do we, how do we treat these people? Well, they figured out that by taking plasma, from healthy donors and, you know, rinsing it down, cleaning it down, do whatever they have to do to get the amino, the immunoglobulins out of, out of those cells, that plasma. That's how they can treat people like me. So if you donate plasma or you know people that donate plasma, Thank you. Thank them for us because we would not be able to survive without plasma donors. And I've heard you can make quite a good bit of money on plasma. I've never been able to do it because of my disease. Um, so it is very, very important that if you know plasma donors, just go out and get them to donate. Uh, because it saves a lot of people's lives. There are more and more people getting diagnosed every day with amino or, or uh, immunodeficiency issues. And we need plasma. Uh, so if you are listening to this and you are able to donate plasma, please do. 
the caregivers out there, if you guys are are listening to this and you know people or you can donate, you know how important plasma is already. I can't stress that enough. I mean, it's just the plasma is, is what keeps us alive. So I get an IVIG every, every three weeks. And an IVIG is basically that, those, that plasma coming into my body through a vein intravenously and replenishing my, basically my brick wall for, for three weeks. And then every three weeks I get, you know, I started out like every four, but you know, your, your treatments could change over time. Now I get it every three weeks. And I know there are people out there that get it every day that need it every week maybe two or three times a week. Um, what I have is an IgG deficiency. So I do not make the G part of the plasma. And that's what they got to find and give to me. There's, you know, anything else. There's like, you, you got to get diagnosed. You got to get a prescription for this type of plasma. but I specifically have a IgG deficiency. So I need that part of that. It's how they know what plasma to give me and, and what they're looking for. Now there's other ones that we'll get into later on, you know, down the season here, but uh, there's also different, there's a couple different treatments you can use. Um, pretty much it used to always be just the IVIG and that went through your veins. Well, there's also this thing called sub-Q, subcutaneous. And what that means is that you put little needles around your legs or, you know, around your, it's absorbed into your muscles, basically. That is a much easier way of getting IVIG or getting plasma. Um, I mean, I've been getting stuck in my hands and my arms for 24 years now. And thank goodness I still have good veins. And there's no difference between this, the IVIG and the sub-Q. It really is. There's really not much difference. One's going through your vein. One's going into your muscles. So either way is good. I've done both ways. The reason I'm back to the IVIG is because that's my insurance with me being disabled now with a chronic illness, that is what keeps me alive, is going through the IVIG. Um, just cheaper for, you know, it's just that's just the way that my insurance company wants me to get it. Now, if you have other insurance companies, they might want you to get it through the sub-Q. And I used to have an insurance company before this that, did, that would have rather me do it myself at home. I had to be trained from a nurse on how to do it because you have to set your pump up. You've got to put, you know, program how much you have. You know, they send you these little tubes. You got to put it in a, an IV bag and it's, it's pretty neat. It's fun to, fun, it was fun. A lot of medical supplies you have at the house and I still have some medical supplies here with my IVIG. 
it's it's basically the same way. Uh, either get it through your veins or get it through your through your muscles. So that basically is how I was diagnosed, and what I have done to live these last twenty four years is by getting this plasma, and that's what has saved my life. Now next week, you're you know we'll we'll talk about what I went through as a child and some of the 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 things that I, I didn't really want to go through, but I did. A lot of people don't know what I went through, and like a lot of my friends from high school and things, I, I hid that a lot. Um, I was athletic, but I wasn't shouldn't have been. Uh, and we'll talk about some of those things next week. Uh, so I want to thank you for listening. Hopefully it wasn't too long of an episode to get through. Hopefully I, I have spoke well enough for you to understand what I'm saying. Hopefully you can, you can understand why I want this podcast to do so well and why I think it's a good podcast topic because there's 450 immune deficiencies out there. That's a lot of episodes. <laughs> it could be 450 episodes. Um, I'm not just willing just to talk about my own disease. Well, we can talk about every, we can talk about one of these. I can do the research. I've done a lot of research on a lot of the other ones already. And we can talk about it. We can get people on here. Uh, maybe one of you guys would like to come on the sh- on the podcast here and talk about your experiences, just like I just did. Um, I have no problem setting that kind of thing up. Like I said, this is my very first podcast ever doing it, so hopefully it sounds okay. Hopefully I can figure out what I'm doing. Um, I'm not going to tell you how many times I've tried to record an episode because, you know, it's just kind of scary sometimes to be out there talking and not quite sure what you're doing. But, you know, I, I've, I've got through 50 some minutes here, so hopefully it records and everything goes great. But like I said, next week we will, I'll get into more of the IDF foundation, the website, and maybe I will be able to tell you what I went through as a kid. So hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully it, it brought some things, some questions to your mind. If you have any questions, um, the email address for the, for the podcast here is talking with Brian with an I B R I A N. So talking with Brian P I at gmail.com. You know, just, and I'll put that in the show notes to where you can, you can see it all printed out there, but you know, email me anything you think say you're, you're don't know what you're doing. You should quit. Okay. I'm, I'm going to try it out for a while. So, but hopefully it's something that'll catch on. So I would like to thank you for listening and never stop being your own advocate. Okay. You got to fight for yourself. So with that, I will talk at y'all next week.
Thank you very much.